lovely day for tennis, eh? Game set and match. This is Tennis Talk Canada with Jim Taddy on TSN 1050. Welcome aboard another Saturday edition of Tennis Talk Canada. Plenty of action to deal with. We'll get through it very shortly. Ken Christina from the Mayfair Club's the director of tennis will be with us very shortly. And we have guests today, Bruce Reed, president of O'Connor Hills Tennis Club, will stop by. Jennifer Bishop, chair of Tennis Canada, will stop by. And we're going to keep you posted on two semifinals involving Canadians. Jose Aliasim in a big battle at the Novetti Open and at the Queen's Club Championship Shapovalov in semifinals. He wrapped up his quarter this morning, delayed due to weather yesterday, cut in half actually. And so he's involved right now, and these are happening as we're on the air live. So we'll be able to update those, and we have the guests. And as we get going here, let me tell you that Racket Guys has Canada's largest selection of tennis gear at the guaranteed lowest price. Shop online at racketguys.ca or visit their Markham Superstore for expert advice. I should also tell you that owlmortgage.ca is here to help you educate first time and existing homeowners and how to use your mortgage as a tool to build wealth through real estate. While many feel the new stress test hinders borrowers, OwlMortgage.ca can teach you how to grow your net worth. Call 416-613-LEND today. That's 416-613-5363. And my buddy Vince will look after you. So the tennis situation is um, it looks like uh, Felix Auger-Aliassime is just hanging on in the semifinal action going on in Germany. And we've got some ground to cover that way. And Ken Christina is here from the Mayfair Clubs, the director of tennis. Ken, welcome. How are you this morning? I'm doing great, Jim. Thanks. Sorry, was having a little challenge connecting there, but uh, they finally uh, got me logged in. I'm too excited with all this great tennis action going on right now. You know, the, the technical side of, of how we do these shows is, is remarkable. Um, on my app, uh, every about every 500 tries, it loses my password for whatever reason, and that happened earlier this morning. So I understand. I, I don't know if it's, there's a reset or there's some kind of bug, but but anyway, we're here and ready to go. So Felix Auger-Aliassime is where I started in a real battle in the semifinals at the Noventi Open. Absolutely, and he just saved a couple of match points on his serve at 4-5 in the third set. Saved the first one with a huge ace and saved the second one uh, with another big serve. It wasn't an ace, but an unreturnable serve. And He's playing unbelievable tennis on a wave of confidence after the big win earlier this week against none other than the legend Roger Federer. But the thing I'm liking about this match that Felix playing, is playing right now is he's finding ways to win points. He's, he's playing with a little bit more patience, which we've talked about on this show. Patience is a little tricky on grass. You can't have too much of it, but you have to have some of it. And I really like what I'm seeing from Felix. It's, it's, it's always a learning lesson when you're out there. And, we, you know, we hear it in every sport. Oh, we learned so much when we lost that game or we learned so much when we lost that series. But in tennis... When you're all alone out there, it really is a learning experience. So I'd like to be able to see him. He's, he's now going to be serving at 5-6 in the third set. I'd like to see him come out, win this game, and, uh, and win the match and move on to his uh, ninth career final on the ATP Tour. But uh, he's been serving big. He's been playing big. And uh, it's, it's nice to see the Canadians doing so well on, uh, on the Tour. 
Now, you open the door. Uh, you know, I have these layman's, I call them layman's questions, and so I just do an overview. When I was watching the tennis earlier this morning, I, I thought of this because obviously I deal with other athletes, and, and you have, uh, you know, I call it like working Monday to Friday. You have the 82-game schedule or 162 for baseball where you can you can basically hide at times just because of the volume that you're performing in and, and you're on a team. But in tennis, you go to these events. I mean, most of them are, are really high profile or or the you know on the way to a slam and there's really no place to hide is there no absolutely absolutely not jim you're 100 percent correct and and it's and it's a challenge and it's a challenge for young players it's a challenge for players in the kind of the later moments of their career that might not be doing as well um and you know i've talked to a lot of these uh canadians that kind of go on tour and what the challenges are and for all of them they say the same thing it's it's you go to a site, you train hard, you get ready for that tournament, you maybe win a round or two, you lose, you hang out for a day, you go on to the next site and it starts all over again. And, you know, there's a lot of losing on tour. Uh, you know, the winning feels great, but there's only, you know, in typical draws, there's anywhere between kind of 32 to 128 players that are in a draw. There's only going to be one winner on the single side of things. So, it's a real challenge and living out of a suitcase, you're away from your family, you're away from your family pets and um, it's tough and especially for players, you know, we're fortunate now with Felix, Milos, Dennis on the men's side ranked so high, Layla, Bianca um, ranked so high on the, on the women's side, they're able to travel with a good team of people and get some family around them because they can afford it. But if you're ranked outside the top 75 or 80 in the world, the funding, the money isn't there for you on a regular basis to travel with a full team, to travel with some family, to fly your parents into a city. And it, it's tough. And the losing part of it gets real tough real quick. And uh, that, I think, is the biggest struggle, uh, along with probably some food choices, is the, other, is the third thing that each player I've ever talked to. They're like, well, you go to some cities and we don't really enjoy the food in that city. And, you know, that can be a challenge as well, as, uh, as funny as it sounds. Well, I mean, it's, it's you know, you mapped out a scenario there. I mean, it's it's not um, unlike a a, a performer uh, thinking of a music performer who would who could go on stage to twenty thousand people. Uh, you would travel with your own entourage, but really, I mean, you you do sort of uh, live in your own bubble, and and you know, your performance is is something that you have to live with, and then you go on. It's a circuit. Uh, you know, it's not a, a concert tour. Is is not really unlike a a tennis or a golf tour in, in that uh, you know you do have some people you've got to you know, be very careful about how you're living and your nutrition and and what kind of physical shape you're in and mental shape as well and and so I mean you are around people but you are isolated and, and I mean there is uh, it's not for everybody is it no it isn't and there, there there's some challenges you know when you're out on a golf course you've got your caddy there that can kind of help you out and you can lean on your caddy in the good times and the bad times and you know, on a tennis court, you're out there by yourself, and, and that's, that's tough. And the other thing, too, you know, when a lot of people will compare golf athletes to tennis athletes, but on a golf course, one of the most important things you learn when you're entry level into golf is that you're competing against the course. In tennis, you're always competing against that person on the other side of the net. And the biggest problem with that is you make friends, and the next thing you know, you're really competing against that friend on the other side of the net, and, and that's a challenge. So... We, we continue to see 
um, young Canadians doing well, but it's not without some struggles. And we, we tend to kind of lose some patience as fans of, well, how did he lose that match? Or how did she lose in that, in that round? Or she didn't play very well. Or he did. Look, at it, it's, it's tough. We have bad days as, as uh, fans just you know, sitting around at home or playing our fun casual game on, a, on our little court around the corner from our house. You can only imagine for these players that are changing surfaces, changing cities, changing countries, changing time zones, changing food and meal plans. There are some challenges out there that, that we can't even fathom. So you know, kudos to these young Canadians that are doing so well, that are ranked so high and are giving us great uh, entertainment on a weekend like we're seeing uh, like we're seeing right now out of both Felix and Dennis that are on the courts. Another layman's question, and we saw this at the French Open, and we've seen it in the coverage this week. And before I ask the question, by the way, it's fantastic that on a Saturday morning we could have two Canadians in separate events in semifinal action, and you can watch them both on separate channels on TSN. I, I think that is nothing short of, of remarkable. So here's the layman's question. French Open, and we saw it this week, playing in the shadows. How difficult is that? It's the For me... When I play, it's the hardest thing that I find to, to play with. I can handle the sun beating down on me and tossing the ball in the air and finding a way to, to put the ball toss in a little different spot because where the sun is or hitting an overhead and looking up into a sun and trying to be able to block it with my hand and hit that ball. I find that I can handle that. But that ball moving from the sun to the shade or the shade to the sun, it's such a challenge. And you know, we'll see it quite often in Major League Baseball as well, where sometimes the pitcher's mound is in the shade and, and the hitter is in the sun or vice versa. It is such a challenge for these tennis players and these athletes to see that ball as it transitions from one to the other. And I think especially for some of the older players that are on tour, you know, as you get a little bit older, your vision is a little bit trickier. And um, I, I just find for me personally, I lose the ball constantly when it's traveling for me, I find it most challenging when somebody is serving in the shade and serving to me in the sun. That's when I really find trying to track that ball coming out of the shade and into the sunlight, I really struggle with how fast it's traveling and kind of location about where I feel that ball is going to bounce. It's, it's a real big challenge. And, uh, you know, our club players that are now back out and playing around Toronto, the GTA, and across this great country – you know, they're going to run into some problems as we're struggling to find court time, playing later matches in the day, playing in times that they're not accustomed to, and all of a sudden the shade starts creeping in on their court. So they'll have an idea and a feeling of what it feels like to play on some of these uh, great stadium courts that our young Canadian players are competing on. I mean, it's got to be the depth perception. I know that uh, just putting in a, in a round of golf, uh, a 10-foot putt through a shadow, I would, I would absolutely destroy because I, I wouldn't be able to, to pick up the, the depth perception and, and, you know, the weight. But, I mean, this thing's coming at you at, at quite a speed. That, that would be very difficult. Yeah, very tough. I'm not sure why you're putting in the first place, Jim. When I hit the green, I just pick up and call it a one putt all the time. My, my, friends that rules. With, my, my friends that I golf with this week are laughing right now because uh, I, I had a couple of holes this past week where I did that. I just didn't want to score any higher, so I decided I would pick up. But absolutely, that ball coming in, in and out of the shade, it's the depth perception that's tough, and the speed of the ball is super tough to pick up when it's changing from from one light source to another. And, uh, you know, I, I feel sorry for these players that are out there that are having to, uh, to deal with the shadows. Um, the sun they get used to. 
the shadows, I don't think as an athlete you can ever get used to that. And uh, the trickiness that the ball will play on you sometimes as it transfers between those two light sources. Okay, just before we break, uh, a couple of other things. Osaka is out at, at Wimbledon, but will play in the Olympics, and Nadal is out at Wimbledon and the Olympics. Uh, and the Nadal story uh, is is easy to understand when you watched him against uh, uh, Djokovic. You you understood that he was not healthy. I mean, he just looked worn down, didn't he? Absolutely. And, I, you know, having watched Nadal for so many years, and I want to say 10 years ago, I felt like his career out of the big three would be the most challenging for longevity because of the way he plays. He kind of plays like a bulldozer. He just takes every point head on. He's such a tremendous athlete, but he plays a grinding game that really will wear his body down. And I think, you know, the good news is, is that he recognizes that and realizes he's got to take a rest. The bad news is for us as tennis fans of Nadal, so we're not going to see him playing in two great events at Wimbledon and the Olympics. But I think we're going to see a lot of players kind of bowing out of the Olympics because of where it falls in the schedule, you know, what's going on with COVID in the world. And I, I just feel like he's, you know, there's going to be more big names. We're already starting to see some, but we're going to see more big names kind of bowing out of, out of uh, the Olympics, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, it's, it's tough to see, but I'm, I'm proud or I'm happy, I guess, is the word to choose that, uh, Nadal realizes that he, he needs to take a break, and for him to play longer and compete at the highest level, he's got to listen to his body. So kudos to him for doing that. So I said this earlier, just going to restate it. Our guest today, Bruce Reed, president of the O'Connor Hills Tennis Club and Jennifer Bishop, chair of Tennis Canada. And the, the Bruce story is interesting. Uh, and, you know, we like to cover all levels of tennis here just because the, the local story is, is important. So is the volunteer story, isn't it? Absolutely. And tennis would be nothing without volunteers. You know, at the National Bank Open in Toronto in a good year when, when uh, everybody's healthy and we're able to have full fans in the stands, they have, they have over 1,000 volunteers at that tournament that come out and, and support it. Some of them have great kind of volunteer jobs, let's call it, where they're courtside, they get to watch the tennis, they get to meet and greet with the fans. Other ones are in cars driving players to and from, so they don't watch much tennis, but they get to see the players. But it's the volunteers that make that event run. It's the volunteers like Bruce um, and, and uh, Jen Bishop, who's one of our guests today. They volunteer at different levels in tennis, at different clubs and, and, and in associations. That's what drives the sport of tennis. And that's what drives amateur sport in this country for all of our different sports. And without volunteers, we'd be up a creek. We'd be nowhere. So uh, happy to have them. That's for sure. I was just trying to buy some time there. Unfortunately, Felix Ojealiasim has lost by the slimmest of margins uh, in the semifinals at the Noventi Open. What a what a battle he put up! Absolutely, he played really really well. You know, he served big with 14 aces. Unfortunately for Felix, it, it was his I believe it's his lowest first serve percentage for the event. He only served at 68 percent on grass courts. You've got to have that number a little bit higher. I mean, of those points, he won 78 percent of them on his first serve, but. Uh, you know, I think the ones that got away, he had 11 break points, and he was only able to capitalize on three of those. So this is one that got away, but again, it's a great learning experience for him. He's played some great tennis, and he had a great win earlier this week. So uh, look for Felix to do well. As Wimbledon is around the corner, he's going to have a, a good run. He likes the grass. He's done well when at junior Wimbledon as a youngster. And uh, most Canadians like grass courts because we're used to fast services from our indoor court surfaces. 
And Shepa Valif is down a set at the semis at the Queen's Club Championship. Whatever your home means to you, OwlMortgage.ca and its expert staff can help you turn your home ownership dreams into a reality that you and your family can be proud of. With education and a plan, OwlMortgage.ca will grow your net worth through real estate. Call 416-613-LEND today, 416-613-5363. Coming up next, Bruce Reed. This is Tennis Talk Canada on TSN 1050, tsn1050.ca, also available on the TSN and iHeartRadio apps. You're listening to Tennis Talk Canada on TSN 1050. Here's Jim Taddy. This segment of Tennis Talk Canada is sponsored by the Fox Group at IG Private Wealth Management. Getting your financial planning in order is very important. This past year has taught us to expect the unexpected. So I feel comfortable and confident recommending Don Fox and his team to you. Fox Group will provide a written plan that will be tailored specifically for you, will reflect your goals and aspirations. It will be reviewed with you regularly and updated or adjusted to reflect major changes in circumstances or life events. The planning process begins with you in mind. The Fox Group, inspiring clients to achieve true wealth. Contact the Fox Group at their website, donfox.net, and follow them on Twitter at Fox Group PWM. Jim Taddy and Ken Christina with you. This is Tennis Talk Canada. Let's bring in uh, now our uh, guest, Bruce Reed, from the O'Connor Hills Tennis Club. He's the president. Bruce, how are you today, sir? Good morning. I'm doing quite well. How about you? Good, good. You know Ken. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. We have tennis talk on Tuesdays, and uh, he's uh, always a character. <laughs> he does not disappoint that way, does he? <laughs> no, he doesn't. And Ken, I just got my second jab uh, yesterday, so you got to check that out. I, I will for check. sure. Con- congratulations to you. Thank you. Uh, uh, Bruce, tell us about your role. I mean, you're, you're big into the volunteer stuff, so tell us uh, uh, how you got into this and, and the importance of volunteers. Well, I guess uh, I have a long history of volunteering, actually, in, in many, many fields. But uh, I've been involved in tennis executives and uh, since, oh gosh, the 90s. And uh, first at Victoria Tennis Club at, uh, at U of T. And then through Thorncliffe Park Tennis Club, where I ended up being uh, treasurer at some point, uh, I was thankfully I wasn't president, uh, but uh, and then now at O'Connor Hills I've been president for eight years with uh, two years off for good behavior uh, in between. <laughs> um, but uh, and you know it's a constant uh, it's a, it's a constant uh, struggle. Some sometimes, especially these past couple of years, have been crazy. But uh, it's it's good to, and you know it's good community work. Uh, tennis clubs, especially community tennis clubs, are, are completely driven by volunteers. And so it's, uh, it's definitely something that community service is very important for those of us that like to serve. Bruce, firstly, I want to say thank you to you and to every single volunteer that's involved in the sport of tennis. Because I, as you know, I've been involved in tennis for 50 51 years playing and then coaching and, you know, taking a lot from the game when I was younger as it, and it gave mm-hmm. a lot to me and then trying to give back. But I, you know, without people like yourself, um, you know, tennis wouldn't be what it is. So, so thank you for that. Oh, you're quite welcome. Um, Some, sometimes it's very rewarding. Sometimes it could be a little frustrating. Oh, I know. I've seen it around the clubs. What, what's been the effect of COVID on your club, say, last year and this year on the O'Connor Hills Tennis Club? What have you seen? Well, I sort of call it a tale of two seasons because uh, last year, 2020, was an unmitigated disaster. 
know, COVID was in full flight. The, the Ontario government was unsure. The city was unsure. And part of the, the problem came from because of the way Ontario is divided into regions. So pro- right. the province would make a policy, and then the regions would interpret it through their lawyers, of course. And that meant the regions were not consistent. And, and you found that, Ken, at Mayfair, that you had different regulations for the clubs in Markham than you had for the ones in Toronto. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so then, and then uh, everything was complicated when the province put a ban on outdoor team sports. So the city of Toronto deemed that to uh, include doubles tennis, which, of course, is very similar to rugby in terms of the body-to-body contact, right? <laughs> and it's, right. Very, very, it's also very similar to going to Costco in terms of body-to-body contact. <laughs> so uh, so what, what the, the, the city created these, these, these very stringent guidelines to follow in order for any club to, be, uh, to run as a community club. And, of course, Later, we found that some clubs strapped a bottle of no-name Purell to the fence and called themselves compliant. Right. At the same time, at the same time, public courts, anything went. There was there's no enforcement of anything. There's no sanitizing, and so uh, that was a little crazy. And yeah. then there was an issue with the director's insurance that was provided for the OTA that took some time to get going. So. Uh, after a lot of conversation, a lot of sort of false starts, and a lot of criticism from some of our members, we decided that we couldn't run as a community club. So we became a uh, public courts for 2020. Right. And then this year, what are you seeing on the courts this year? Are, are you seeing a boom in tennis or more people coming back? Are they still very cautious? What, what's going on now? Well, it's interesting. We're still a little frustrated by the slowness of the city of Toronto because um, Ontario went into step one on June 11th uh, from from what I call step 1937th or whatever it was that we were before step one. I, 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 don't, right. I don't understand that. But the, the city has still not issued a revised tennis guideline. Despite right. So it's tougher, tougher one, your club then, right? Tough to figure yeah, out I mean, what to do. Yeah, and so it's, it's really, really uh, tough. But, so, but we are running as a community club, which is good. We can't do socials or house leagues, but we can offer the courts, uh, you know, tennis instruction. And one of our, our big challenges is that uh, O'Connor had a has had a huge kids program, up to three hundred kids registered in, in a year, but. Uh, because we didn't run them last year because we couldn't, it's hard to reestablish that because, mm. you know, kids, people move on, right? Um, we also have the people that used the courts last year as public courts, uh, what I tend to call them interlopers, but anyway, they, they don't like that. But uh, it's hard to eliminate them or say, okay, no, now you must uh, join and, uh, you know, become a member, but the good news is that tennis is regarded as a safe sport for, for COVID, right? Because you're 78 feet apart. And there's a lot of interest in, interest in it. And also because of uh, Bianca and Dennis and Felix, you know, there's heightened, heightened interest in tennis uh, as a whole in Canada. And there's a lot more coverage in the, in the newspapers. So right now there's a big influx, influx of uh, people who are trying out tennis for the first time. 
And so that's great. And uh, because we're allowed to give instruction, you know, using the five fundamentals and progressive tennis techniques, you know, we're hoping that they can become lifetime tennis addicts like we all are. Excellent. So basically, we're, looking, we're rebuilding and looking forward to, you know, hopefully a great year in 2021. Just want to interject to you know appease your your frustration. Horse racing was declared an indoor sport during this time yeah. as well. So I mean you know there's a lot of uh, double standards. I, I want to ask the both of you this on the way out. Uh, uh, and Bruce, we'll start with you uh, in terms of your individual clubs. Uh, in terms of the business plan going forward, how do you do you make up for what you missed, or do you just move on? I think we we can't really make it up. I mean, it, what is gone is gone, and uh, you know we we made a loss last year. Um, this year, hopefully, we will make a, a profit because we have reconstruction scheduled for next year, and you need to, the club has to pay for the surface of the courts, and so uh, we we do need that uh, that money and. But a lot of that is through the junior program. We have a lot of revenue through that, and so if it's not reestablished, that puts us in a you know not so positive fiscal position in 2021. Yeah, I agree. And uh, Jim, it's a great question. I think most clubs are in a similar situation to O'Connor Hills, and they're, you know, it's a you're just writing off kind of what happened. But I think that every tennis club is going to, you know, reap the benefits of the. The boom of tennis again, uh, how many people are flocking to the game, as, as Bruce said, because of the Bianca and Layla and Felix and Dennis, etc. Um, but also because of the perfect social distancing aspect of the sport. More people are going to yeah. pick it up. And, and they're going to they're gonna play this game that we love, and I think you're going to see more people on the courts, which will only be good for tennis clubs and uh, year-round tennis facilities in this country. So that's the, that's the bright side of things, I guess. Yeah. I think the thing is people have to realize that you can play tennis for the rest of your life. You're not going to play, be playing rugby when you're 60. But, you know, you can play tennis till, till your dying day. Bruce, really appreciate you stopping by. And, and uh, you know, I wouldn't uh, – I think I quit rugby at 50. I just, you know – <laughs> Probably a good, good idea. <laughs> thanks a lot, Bruce. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks for having me. Have a great Bruce day. Reed. You too. Thank you. Bruce Reed, president of the O'Connor Hills Tennis Club. Coming up next, we'll have Jennifer Bishop. She's the chair of Tennis Canada. This segment of Tennis Talk Canada is sponsored by the Fox Group at IG Private Wealth Management. Getting your financial planning in order is very important. This past year has taught us to expect the unexpected. So I feel pretty comfortable and, in fact, totally comfortable and confident recommending Don Fox and his team to you. The Fox Group will provide a written plan that will be tailored specifically for you, will reflect your goals and aspirations. It will be reviewed with you regularly, updated or adjusted to reflect major changes in circumstances or life events. The planning process begins with you in mind, the Fox Group, inspiring clients to achieve true wealth. Contact the Fox Group at their website, donfox.net. Follow them on Twitter at Fox Group PWM. This is Tennis Talk Canada, TSN 1050, tsn1050.ca. Also available on the TSN and iHeartRadio apps. You're listening to Tennis Talk Canada on TSN 1050. Here's Jim Taddy. 
This segment of Tennis Talk Canada brought to you by Scoglin Homes. Considering selling your home in the GTA, do not just rely on a strong market. Call Eric Scoglin and maximize your sale price with the Scoglin Homes comprehensive listing plan with luxurious staging, eye-catching video marketing, drone photography, and a large database of qualified buyers looking for homes just like yours. Call 647-300-7019. Speak to Eric directly or check out ScoglinHomes.com to make the right decision around your largest investment. Jim Taddy, Ken Christina with you. And Shapovalov went out in straight sets at the semi at the Queen's Club Championship. And earlier, Felix Auger-Aliassime went out in three sets at the Noventi Open. Uh, the positive side of that is you have two Canadians at different tournaments in the semifinals. You were able to watch them both on TSN. Let's bring in Jennifer Bishop now, chair of the Board of Tennis Canada. Jennifer, how are you today? Doing very well, thank you, and thanks for having us. Oh, our, our pleasure. Uh, and so you've got a, a new initiative uh, around keeping girls involved in tennis. Uh, there was a significant drop-off in terms of girls leaving sport. Can, can you take us through the initiative? Absolutely. So um, the initiative is called Girls Set Match, and it's really on the heels of a recent study that shows, um, you know, we've got one in three girls leaving sport versus one in ten boys when they hit adolescence. And so we, in partnership with National Bank, who I really have to champion here, um, are putting together a 10-year strategic plan. More details of it will be released later on in the year um, with the goal of creating equality in tennis across all levels. Um, the immediate focus, of course, will be um, uh, digging deep into why girls are quitting sport during adolescence and trying to keep them playing through that challenging period. The result, we hope, being that we will have more women coaches, more women in the high-performance stream, more women players, and, of course, more women in the business of tennis. So that is our primary objective and um you know, we're going to set very aggressive goals for ourselves and and expect excellent results at the end of the 10-year period. Well, I'm thrilled, as you know, Jen, to hear of this initiative. Um, you know, my old, old club out in Oshawa, I had, I started hiring female pros at that club and, and there weren't a lot in the game and it was it was tricky to find female pros that were coming through the certification system. And that was a about uh, a decade ago, 15 years ago, and now we're seeing more and more, which is good. And now hopefully with this initiative, we're going to see even more um, young female players and, and young women, uh, you know, staying in the game longer and coaching. So happy for that. I do want to mention that on YouTube, you can find the ad for this uh, under Girls Set Match. It's a, it's a cool little ad, and I, I was able to watch it through a Tennis Canada event I was at the other day. So that is, uh, that is great news. Um, I know that you're excited about uh, the Toronto tourney and the, and the Montreal tourney, the National Bank Open presented by Rogers. Can you share with our listeners anything that you know might be going on as far as uh, you know, how we're looking for this year? So we're looking good, I guess, to start, and we are still very, very hopeful that we will be hosting both in Toronto and in Montreal again. Um, Montreal, we have received uh, provincial approval for our safety protocols, and we're now going to the feds for their blessing. Uh, hopefully, when we get that, we can then start to recalibrate and think about whether or not uh, we're going to be able to add fans into the mix in Montreal. It's looking very good with vaccination rates, and you're seeing fans at the hockey games. So we're being cautiously optimistic about Montreal um and and hoping toronto will follow suit so we're just sort of a step behind in toronto the province is still analyzing our safety protocols and we're optimistic that they're going to come through and then we go to the feds in in um 
uh, in Toronto. So baby steps, but we remain optimistic that we're going to have a great tournament this year. No, there's nothing like being able to to watch the tennis on home soil, whether it's live and you're there, with, if we're allowed to have a few fans, or certainly on, on television. So hopefully all of those things come to fruition because I know, you know, and you know from being in the clubs here in, in Toronto that uh, our, our masses missed out on the, uh, on the event last year. So we certainly want to see it coming back. Um, you know, I was reading up a little bit about you before this, and I didn't realize that you're involved with the ITF Billie Jean King Cup as a committee member. How did that come about, and, and uh, can, you, can you speak a little bit about the new Billie Jean King Cup? I can, and thank you for asking. So uh, it really, first and foremost, is a privilege to be asked by the ITF to serve on this committee. It's one of the most high-profile committees in the organization, the BJK Cup Committee, and then, of course, the Davis Cup Committee. Uh, it's chaired by Katrina Adams, who all of us in the tennis world know. And um, it is a global group of folks represented by, uh, I think we've got 16 different countries on the committee. Um, I guess, unfortunately slash fortunately, um, I came onto the committee right at the start of COVID. So really our mandate has been to try to get these BJK Cup ties played, find the venues, make sure everybody's comfortable with the safety protocols changing countries at the last minute so we really tried to do our best to navigate getting the ties played with obviously uh you know the health and safety of participations and the public being a matter of priority so um really our job as a committee is to provide guidance and direction to the itf with the view to continuing to build you know world-class women's team events well, for our listeners, if you have never been to a Billie Jean King Cup event or a Davis Cup event to support Canada, um, I spoke about this earlier this week with Tennis Canada. If you have never been to one, you have to go to one. And if you've been to one, you know how fun they are. You'll be going back. So, you know, if it's ever close, if it's in Montreal, if it's in, you know, a city that you can get to, uh, there is nothing better than getting out there and cheering on your Canadians as they compete in the Billie Jean King Cup or in Davis Cup uh, for sure. So thank you for that uh, support of being on that uh, committee, uh, Jen. Oh, it's my pleasure. And as you know, Ken, it's, it's one of those events where people can sort of rise out of nowhere to come up with these phenomenal wins. You know, we saw it with Frank Dancevich in the past, and we saw Re- Rebecca Marino uh, and Layla just, you know, blow everything out of the water in Serbia this year and surprise everybody. So um, I appreciate the plug, whether it's Davis Cup or BJK Cup, it really is something special, uh, sort of beyond when we see the individual sports on television. So appreciate that plug. Jennifer, tell us about the the Philpott Children's uh, Tennis Charity. Sure. So um, I am a part of a charity. Uh, You know, my name is sort of listed as chair, but really there is a team of people who are motivated to bring tennis into the inner cities in uh, Toronto. We actually have folks in other larger centres in Toronto looking to partner with us to use our model in their jurisdictions as well, which is really exciting. And so um, what we do in the summer is we bring coaches and tennis nets and life to tennis courts in the inner cities. I think we have uh, 16 sites Cross our fingers that are moving ahead this summer, and um, we teach children 
how to play tennis, the basics of tennis, but also we, um, we teach them other values, leadership, friendship. And so, you know, our hope is, coming back to equality, we're working on having equal uh, number of male and female coaches, male and female players uh, signing up. And, you know, as these children progress through our program, the Philpot program in these inner cities, our, our hope then is that they will continue on and we will support their certification to then become coaches in their communities. And we're starting to also educate the parents, help some of the parents with their certifications so they can help out in their community. So it's something that a lot of people and, you know, Ken's also been a big part of this. You know, um, we just want as many of these kids um, having the opportunity to play tennis, to learn the sport, and all of the values uh, that come along with with that. So appreciate you asking. So, Jen, it's been difficult times for everybody with their tennis, and uh, what some of our listeners may not know about you is that you're, you yourself are an incredible uh, tennis player. What have you been able to do to kind of continue to play through these challenging times, whether it be doing things on court or off court, and to kind of keep yourself sharp when we can start to kind of compete again and play. I know you play some ITF events and things like that. What have you been well, able to do? You know, something like everybody else, um, my rackets have been collecting a lot of dust. Um, <laughs> I, I, I would be lying if I, if I didn't say that I snuck out in the back alleyway with a, um, you know, one of those portable nets. And uh, our friends at York Rackets just down the street here in Toronto have probably heard me hitting against their wall a few times. Um, but other than that, really just trying to stay fit and trying to stay optimistic and, um, you know, hoping that, you know, I've been playing on the seniors tour. So we're hoping to see those tournaments come back later in the year and next year. Um, but, you know, hey, now that the courts are open, the participation rates are through the roof. Um, you know, people were playing rightly or wrongly. I was getting pictures of people playing in, you know, minus two and three degree weather on public courts in Toronto uh, during the winter. So it's just really, really exciting. I'm happy to be back and I'm, you know, equally thrilled to see um, people to be so motivated to fill all the courts right now. Jennifer, really appreciate you stopping by. Thank you very much. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me, and thank you for supporting women's tennis. Well said. Jennifer Bishop, the chair of the board of uh, Tennis Canada. And if you're looking to purchase a home in this busy GTA market, do not get overwhelmed. Let Eric at Skoglet Homes guide you through the process. Eric's comprehensive buyer's plan takes the stress out of purchasing with great services, including virtual showings, access to exclusive listings from the top brokerage in the city, and a complimentary design consult once you have found your dream home. Buyer's representation is very important in a hot market, so call Eric directly at 6473 or check out scoglinhomes.com to get started. This is Tennis Talk Canada on TSN 1050, tsn1050.ca, also available on the TSN and iHeartRadio apps. You're listening to Tennis Talk Canada on TSN 1050. Here's Jim Taddy. Welcome back. Final segment before we resume Euro 2020 soccer coverage. For almost two decades, Vince Gaetano of OwlMortgage.ca has helped educate new and existing homeowners with tips and money-saving strategies to build wealth through real estate. Stay updated with the wise old owl on his Instagram live show every Thursday at Vince G Mortgage. Jim Taddy, Ken Christina with you. So, so Ken, I have I call these layman's questions because I simply don't know any better. Uh, and obviously the sir for Dennis Shapovalov is, is one of the key components of his game. But I'm wondering if there's a tell there when, when he's not quite totally there. And so as I watch him put the ball up for serve, sometimes it drifts past 
almost past the right shoulder. Is there anything to that? Yeah, absolutely. You know, we, we see it sometimes in golf when somebody's putting and they call it the yips. It's almost looking like when he's tossing the ball sometimes he gets a little bit nervous, a little bit, you know, thinking too much about what's going to happen next. You know, what, what am I going to do after the serve? He's got to work on that ball toss. He's got to get that first serve percentage up more. In the tournament at the Queen's Club, he, he, his first serve percentage was between six, uh, sorry, 50 and 63, 64% in every match. With his serve and what he can do with that serve, especially on the grass court surface, is if he gets that first serve percentage a little higher, he's going to win matches, more matches, and he's going to win matches easier. The big thing, too, with him is if he's not serving his best, which happens to everybody some days, you're, never, you're not always going to serve your best. Sure. He has to take a little bit of pace off the first serve, not hit it as hard and be a little bit more cautious with it. And your opponent doesn't know whether you're going to serve you know, your big booming first serve at 120 miles an hour, or you're going to spin something in it at 103. They're expecting the big boomer all the time. So if you take a little bit off, work on your confidence, work on your toss, you have to fix things while the match is going on. And he doesn't always do that. And it costs them, and it cost him in that match today because he, he was broken too many times on the grass court surface. Yeah, I, I just, I mean, I noticed it, and, and it's, a, it's a mechanical thing, a, a technical thing. I'm just wondering, uh, you know, if there's, there's some way to, that he could adjust that. And, and obviously, the, you know, it's, it's not like other sports where the coach could say, hey, hey, you're doing this. I mean, he has to figure that out on his own, right? Yeah, absolutely, and it's practice. It's sometimes it's, it's boring practice. Working on your service toss is not something that you want to do, but he's got to spend some time working on it because as it drifts, his serve drifts, and if you're, you're completely right, if it starts to drift to his right, he's opening up too quickly, he's starting to lose some power, he's starting to lose some di direction, he's got to reel that toss in and bring it back a little bit closer to, to, uh, to his body, like to, to the center part of his body, a little bit to his right, but too far to the right, and it's creating problems for him, and he'll, he'll get it, he figures it out, the problem too is, you know, when you're young, the nerves start to play a, a part too, and uh, but he'll overcome it. Uh, I'm confident in, in what Dennis can do. He, by far, is one of my favorites on tour because he can be so explosive, and that serves a big part of it. But as a big explosive part of his game, it can also be a part that hurts him, and today it hurt him in that semifinal matchup. Closing in on a minute, as demonstrated with two decades' worth of giving advice in CP24's weekly hot property program, Vince Gaetano of owlmortgage.ca has educated homeowners on how to utilize their home to build wealth. Follow Vince on Instagram at Vince G Mortgage or DM directly with your questions, and he can help you out. Vince is on it. So we've got about 55 seconds. I mean, that's really the difference between those at the top of the heap and those trying to climb up is just eliminating those little, I call them little nervous tells, right, that, that you're you're not totally in control, and, and, and the best in the business just know how to deal with that. Absolutely, and you know, you hate to say, look at Novak Djokovic, but let's no. look at Novak Djokovic. He was down two sets to none, and he, he looked like he was almost, I want to say, disinterested and kind of felt like the match was over, but those that have watched Novak enough know that he's just working on what he has to change in his game to take his game to the next level, and uh, Dennis can do it, and he'll get there. Felix can do it, he'll get there. Bianca, we've seen do it in the final match against Serena Williams at the U.S. Open. So gr more great things to come from these young Canadians, that's for sure. Good timing, Ken. Thanks very much, and join us next week for another edition of Tennis Talk Canada.